It was not a good day in my life when I wore hearing aids to our home for the first time. And as we sat at the table that night, my wife addressed our family, Be careful what you say. Papa has hearing aids. I don't know about you. I took the drift. They'd been talking about things I shouldn't hear. But it's an awesome trip, and it's an awesome privilege to know that God hears and answers our prayer. And our first encounter began with the book of Acts. Jesus had walked from the grave. He had been crucified on the cross prior to Acts 1. Three days he had walked out of the grave. He spent 40 days showing himself to people that were filled with unbelief. There were nail prints in his hand where his side had been scarred with the sword and with a spirit. And he spent 40 days convincing people that he was the one that died on the cross for their sins. After the close of 40 days, he's ascending to heaven, but he, he gathered those that were following him, and he said, Don't part, depart from Jerusalem, but tarry until you be endued with power from on high. In Acts chapter 4, something happens as they were praying. Uh, an earthquake took place among those that were believers. The place shook where they were praying, and the Bible says there's a rushing mighty wind. The air filled the structure where they were praying. Cloven tongues fell upon the believers, and they were all filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and the Bible goes on as the church began to progress. In Acts chapter 4, the church of Jerusalem grew from about 120 to 20,000 people in just a few weeks. That's called an encounter with the Lord. I believe today, according to what I hear from the political world, that it's time for America to enjoy another encounter from the Lord. I, as I listen to the news media and as I listen to politicians that you and I have voted into position to lead our country, I, I entertain this thought nearly every night when they begin to speak about negative toward other people. I begin to think about what the Bible has to say about the words that we speak. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof which simply means when we say bad things along with the things that we say that's contrary or bad, there are consequences. When we say things that are good and lovely, especially to our spouse, and when we love on people, there's consequences. The Bible says a man that needs friends will show himself friendly, and showing yourself friendly to people will, in, will in, in, increase your friends, and your neighbors will love you, and there will be things that will happen to you like, like uh, more friends, more compliments and more things that will come your way because you've did what the Bible says that we're to do. The church began to grow. Great things begin to happen. Peter and John are two of followers of, of Christ, and they're going to prayer meeting about the ninth hour of prayer one morning, and there was a man laid at the gate, uh, uh, and he had been lame from his mother's womb. And Peter and John, as they looked on him, he had been there time and time again, but they looked on him that day, and these were the words that they spoke to a man that was there to receive nickels or dimes or pennies to help pay for the bread for his, food, for his table. And they spoke to him these words, Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we're going to give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. They didn't stop with words. They lent a helping hand, and they raised him up, from where he had been sitting, and for the first time in his life, he danced, he walked, he danced, and he followed them all the way to prayer meeting because the power of the Holy Spirit had enabled two men, Peter and John, with the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk across the line into miracles. The days of miracles are not over. The days of miracles are for today. 
In Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 8, the Bible says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus opened the eyes of the blind in his days, if Jesus healed the lame in his days, even Lazarus was raised from the dead. If Hebrews 13, 8 is, is correct, and we all know that it is, then there's nothing impossible for him to do today. The Bible simply gives us this, these words, and I'm just giving you an intro to the message today. The Bible says, He that comes to the Lord must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Today, I, I live in a world just like you do, and I look around the world, and I see that today, only 17% of American people will attend church this month. On any given Sunday, 17% of America attends and honors the Lord and their attendance of church. And that re re brings me to think about the thought that I'm sharing with you. It's time for America to have an encounter with the Lord. And can I say this? The church is all that God has to work with. You're his hands. You're his mouthpiece. You're his feet. And God wants me to tell you today, you're so precious and you're so valuable. He created you in his own image. And the day we accepted him as, as our personal Savior, he took the load of sin out of our life and he placed inside of us the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to be followers of the Lord. Does that mean we're perfect? No, by all means, we're not perfect. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The thing I like about God's family is something I always try to share. There are no big eyes and little U's in God's family. He just says, except you be converted and become as little children, you'll have no part in my family. And I'm so glad one day, on the, even though my dad was a minister, he was an old-fashioned Pentecostal preacher, even though he had raised me in the atmosphere of Christianity, it took one time I realized, and I was a teenager, that I realized that my dad didn't make me a Christian just because I lived in a pastor's home. And it came to the, the season of my life when I realized in order to become a follower of Jesus Christ, I didn't have to, to join the church. I didn't have to be baptized in water. I didn't have to sign a card. What I needed to do is just get my heart right with Jesus. And I did that by simply saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your help. Would you come into my life? At that day, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, old things passed away. It's recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Old things, which means my sin nature, passed away. And behold, all things became new. I still look the same. I still drove the same car. I still had a few habits that he was going to work on. But I'm telling you, something new happened on the inside of me. And God began to do a work. And can I say this before you start throwing stones this morning? I'm just work in progress. I'm not the finished product. Aren't you glad for that? Have you ever heard this? Boy, I'll tell you what. They may be a believer, but they've got a long ways to go. Have you said that? I saw three people go like this. I've got a long ways to go. God doesn't judge us by, our, by what we do. If good works could get us into the kingdom of God, I don't mind working 18 hours a day. I'd just say, let's stack it up. But it's not by works lest any man should boast. And we all have, we all have trophies in our mind of where we've been and what we've done and how we've accomplished things. And we all like to talk about our home runs. But we've all struck out. If you don't believe me, ask your spouse. She's just giving me the smile. That smile means you're doing all right so far, but I'm going to watch to see what else happens. 
Living for Jesus is exciting. I, I told the staff this morning in prayer meeting, I just, there was a word that came into my spirit this morning when I got up, and it was the word hilarious. And you know, a lot of people, when they come to God's house, think you've got to act dignified. They act like you've got you've to act different in God's house than you do at the coffee shop on Monday morning. I believe the Heavenly Father that I worship today wants me to have a good time. I believe he wants me to be filled with joy. I believe he just wants me to enjoy life. And John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's a fourth gospel in the Bible. Luke, Luke chapter 9, verse 10, Luke, uh, Luke 10, verse 19 says, The thief, which is the enemy, comes but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Notice, he said, but I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. How many this morning could I just talk to you for a minute? And without anybody signifying by a smile or an uplifted hand, how many are in the building this morning? You're making a living, but you're really not living. How many would say, you know, if I could just make a few adjustments in my life today, uh, if, I could just, if I could just discard some things that's broke my heart, if I, could just, if I could just some way, somehow get over this hurdle, I believe life would really be good. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. You're going to make it over that next hurdle. But the bad news is they're going to raise the hurdle for your next jump. <laughs> Jesus says, I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. And today I just want to encourage you, lay aside your cares and heartaches for a few moments. Lay aside the challenges that you're facing today for just a few moments. And for the next 25 minutes, and let me show you something. God wants you to know that he's here to talk to you today, and he's got some good news for you. He loves you in spite of where you've been or what you've done. And there's nothing that you can do today that could cause him to change his mind. He just loves us unconditionally. Isn't that great? How many of you are like me? You have a few friends because of what you've done. Three of us. How many have friends that you, they just took you unconditionally? One. Two. Listen, I, I just want to tell you, we get so heavy burdened by the things that we're facing when all the time God wants to just, he's just tapping us on the shoulder. And here's what he's wanting to say. He's not going to say shame on you. He, he just taps you on the shoulder and says, let me carry that load for you. This is what I want to do for you. Nobody's shooting at you. When my heartbeat begins to rise, the, the sound system goes off. Prayer changes things. It changes us from the inside out. When we talk to the Lord, the Lord knows what I mean when I say, Help me, Jesus. Have you ever been in water that's over your head and you can't swim? Doesn't matter how deep it is, does it? If you can't swim, you're in trouble. God doesn't care where you're at this morning, where you've been or what you've done. He wants me to tell you this morning, he loves you, and he wants you to be part of his family. And here's what he says, cast that low load of cares, worries, frets, and unbelief on me, and let me handle that because I care for you. And as we look at the scripture this morning, we began last Sunday on, on some things that was very beneficial to me. And as I studied to get ready for the message, I thought, you know, God has important things that he wants us to do. And one of the most important things that we can do is have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about religion at this church. It's about relationships. It's about getting to know one another. 
It's about getting to know one another that when people come in and their shoulders are, are drooping and their, their face is not aglow, there's something about knowing somebody that they're carrying a heavy load or maybe they didn't show up and you hear later they're, they're facing things that are out of control in their life. Listen, there's nothing like the family of God who loves you unconditionally, who loves you for who you are. And the family of God are, are God's family this morning and he's called each one of us to lend a helping hand. Right. It's awesome. And he says in Jeremiah 33 and 3, chapter 33 and verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer you. How do we call upon the Lord? I don't know how you pray. I don't, I don't pray uh, uh, religiously. I pray because I know him, and I can talk to him. I can talk to him like I talk to Craig. And I, I can say, Craig, you know, uh, uh, we've got some buses that need the oil changed. And, uh, and boy, you know, I've been under the weather of the flu, but uh, would you send somebody along to help me? And the Lord says, well, uh, yeah, I will. And the phone rings, and somebody says, is there anything that needs to be done mechanically this week? Matter of fact, we have five vans that need to bust the, the oil changed. Yeah, and there's two buses that are filthy, and the drivers get here, and they, they run those buses, but, but it's always after dark. Would you mind cleaning out the buses? And then there's kids that get in trouble. I get calls nearly every month saying I need I've got 40 hours of public service work I've got to do I'm in trouble with the law is there anything that I could do to help the youth pastor told me one time he said you know uh, 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 your stress doesn't bother me until it involves me <laughs> needless to say I was bothering him a little bit at that time but you know the good part about Jesus you'll never stress him out did you know before he ever created you, he saw how things would wind up for you? And he said, you're worth it. Yes. Amen. So I'm going to create you. And he gave us the ability to come into this world. Well, the only free th thing that he gave us is our mothers gave us nine months of free rent. And then one day we woke up into a real world. And we realized that we weren't but a few days of age and trouble was knocking on our door. And it wasn't but a few days till we began to realize right from wrong. And we, most of us have been raised in a house where our parents tried to teach us right from wrong. My dad taught four of us boys idle time is a devil's playground, and he made sure that that gate was never open for us four boys. He made sure, he made sure that that gate was never open. Unfortunately, I took that into my real life, and I've had a real problem with it. Uh, but God is a present help in time of need. And no matter what your challenge may be, I can tell you, you can take it to the Lord in prayer, and he's always a prayer-answering God. Does he always answer it in the way that I would like for him to? Absolutely not. Sometimes he doesn't answer the prayers like I'd like to, for him to answer. But I'd like to just kind of run through a few things this morning. Time is slipping. I'd like to, I talked to you last Sunday about the perspective of prayer. And, and we, there's times when we just need to stop, and I want to stop our world this morning. And I'd like for you just to take your thought process with me for a few moments. And I want you to think about the perspective of prayer. Our God made the heavens and the earth. He formed the sea. He created everything that we'll ever enjoy. In fact, he created man in his own image. And many times yet when we think we've got a, an open door to call upon him, we think we can do that at another time when it's more convenient when all the time God just likes to be first in our life. Amen. He likes first when we wake up in the morning and say, Good morning, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm ready and available. Give me strength and courage to face this day, and I'm going to ask your blessings on everything I say and do. 
Oh, pastor, I, I'm just, the phone's ringing. I just don't have that much time to do. Well, let me, let me say this. You don't have to just deal at your bedside to do this. How about going to work? You can say, Lord, I just need your help today. The boss wasn't real happy with me yesterday, but I want favor on my life this morning. I want you to let him apologize. And the Lord says, why don't you apologize? Oh, Lord, now, I, is there anybody else up there that's listening? Sometimes he just doesn't answer the way that I want him to, but the perspective of prayer is how, and let me ask this question, how big is the God that you serve this morning? Question number two, how many times do you call upon the God that you serve? I've already gave you the scripture. He'll answer you as many times as you call. You know what he wants to show you? Great and mighty things you know nothing about. Has anybody told you something this week that you didn't know and it really lightened the load? Or have made the load heavier? We're, we're, we're going to keep the level, field level this morning. I just want to tell you, your perspective in prayer determines how big your God is. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the great I am. He's the author, the finisher of my faith. Without him, I would not have any faith at all. Faith is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of righteous people avails much. How much time are you investing with your best friend? How, many, how much time are you investing with the one that took you for better or for worse? If you're a little on the short end of that stick, join the pastor. Many times I have to say, Lord, just help me shut down and uh, go home early and let me be to Sherry what I need to be. And I go home and she's out of town. <laughs> well, that blew that. No, she hadn't blew in yet. Just get ready. She's going to tell me some things that I didn't know. She's going to enlighten me on some things. And especially about 11 or 12, she wants to enlighten me on Facebook. I'm not a Facebook person. I just don't have time for Facebook. However, when the questions start flowing between 11 and 12, my attitude can go south very quickly. Those are the times that we need to say, Jesus, help me. And many times he'll say, just zip it up and listen. And many times he'll say, well, just pay attention. She's just wanting to ask you the question to see if you're listening. Listen to me. Some people just treat the Lord in prayer like Santa Claus. They take their shopping list to him. Lord, I need this, I need this, and I need this. The Bible says to be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. And I've found in my own life the greatest thing I, I, I can do when I begin my prayer time is say, Lord, I just want to thank you. Because in you I live, move, and have our be my being. And apart from you, I'm nothing. I'm nothing but a handful of dirt without Jesus. Many times in the foyer when my, uh, people pass from, from a funeral and, or they've been here for a special occasion and they have complimentary things to say, here's the response that I most usually give people. If it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I'd have to run for my life. You see, I've realized that when I give him all the glory, I get all the benefits. When I give him all the glory, 
In him I live, move, and have my being, and apart from him I'm absolutely nothing. And so I see God as an absolute Lord. He's, he's absolute. He is absolutely true. He's never wrong. He's absolutely my best friend. He's absolutely seen me through some difficult times. He's absolutely loved me in my unlovable moments. He's absolutely said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's time that we see an encounter in America today. As we see what happened the day that an earthquake came to the church, the wind blew through the church, the power of the Holy Spirit enabled the people with boldness, and they went out on the street corners, they went into the highways and the byways, and they had a testimony to share. And it wasn't about the Democrats, and it wasn't about the Republicans. It wasn't the past president or the president we have. We had something to talk about. His name is Emmanuel. God is with us. Yes. Nothing today is out of control. I'd like to say that again. Nothing is out of control today. Our God has everything well in hand. All he needs is your co cooperation and mine. Nothing is out of control. Well, Pastor, I just don't see eye to eye with something that's going on. Neither do I. But nothing is out of control. The perspective will make a difference in how we handle our problems It'll help us learn to, to glance at our problems and gaze at a great big God. One, the Bible says it's able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that I'm able to think or ask. I've never had any problem with dreaming. I've always had dreams, goals, and vision. And I always realized that they were always attainable, even though at the moment dreams and visions begin to filter into my life and the funds wasn't there. I had a great big God and he could do what I couldn't do. And I want you just to take a moment today and look around in this facility. And years before this came into existence, I saw this building in a dream. I don't take credit for it. There was a gentleman that lived to the corner south of the church and a quarter west and on the south side of the road. He never, ever darkened the church door to hear me preach until I preached his funeral. One day at the coffee shop, while we were drinking coffee, he always liked to, liked to buy my coffee, and he always had something to say. But he said this word, these words, knowing that I was coming up to be an interim pastor of this church, and he said, Ava, I want you to go up on that hill. When you get there, here's what I want you to do. Those are awesome people that go to church up there. Would you build them something so that they could come and worship in it that would be awesome? And that man sowed a seed in my life, and I never forgot it. And that seed grew in my spirit, and it began to germinate, and it began to grow. And I began to have visions. And one day, we were traveling across Elk City with some friends, and I turned to the right as we had made a stop sign, and I saw this facility, and I spoke to my friend, Mark, turn to the right. I want to see if the door of that facility is open. It was open. We saw, we, we, took, the, we took the architectural print. We contacted the architect, and here's what he said. If you're... If you're as excited about that as I think you are, I charge that church $6,000 for the prints. I'm going to send it to you free of charge. There was $67,000 in the bank the day we started this facility. Amen. The board had told me this church has never gone to the bank borrowing money. We'll follow you anywhere except to the bank. After all, it's written in the minutes of 1929. If God is as big as we say that he is, may we never be caught borrowing money. 
The board said, we'll start. We'll break the ground. When the money's gone, we're going to stop. Don't ask us to go borrow money. I said, I've never been involved with men like you, but I'm greatly excited and encouraged. And we never stopped until the building was finished. And you lay aside the stone and the, and the stained glass that was all put together by people that go to church here. You think God doesn't make dreams come true? Let me talk to you people this morning that your dreams may have been shattered. Something has come along and, and it's robbed you of your dream. It happens to all of us. We all have people that walk into our life and, and there are people walk into our life that steal our dreams. And, and then it's when we realize, Lord, you've got to help me pray. Because somebody's going to die if you don't help me. (laughs) The church bought 188 acres that surround this building. Dreams and visions begin to roll. I mean, and we never had to pass the offering plate. God just seemed to it was that was paid for, and we got ready. We got we got some dirt moved about 20 years ago, and something happened, and my dream got stole. But it didn't stop me from dreaming. I found one thing. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can steal your dream, he has a great opportunity of making you angry, bitter, and handling unforgiveness. Those are three elements. Let me ask you this morning. Are you here today and you're angry about something that somebody's done to you? Are you angry because somebody stole your dream? Maybe your dream was shattered, and instead of thinking there's a possibility of regaining my ground and doing things for God or doing things that will enhance my life, and you're here this morning, but you just can't get over that hurdle. The Bible says God is a rewarder of those who pray. Well, you say, Pastor, you don't know my, hat, my past. I don't want to know about your past. God doesn't want me to know about your past. He's concerned about what you're doing today. And he says, the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men avail much. And maybe you're like me. There's been a lot of times that you weren't very righteous, especially when somebody cut you off in traffic and you had to get there and you, were, you left the house 15 minutes late and you knew where the highway patrols didn't work and that day they were working and You'd already got some SNH green stamps given to you, and, and uh, it, life would just life just begin to stink. <laughs> Maybe you're you're going through that season this morning. That's the reason you're here. God is a present help in time of need. And he just wants to take you by the hand today, and he wants to lift you out of that miry clay, and he wants to allow his blood to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he wants you to know you're a child of the king no matter how you feel today. And that unforgiveness and that hurt feeling and those broken dreams, those shattered dreams that the enemy has done his very best to encounter you with today, God wants to pick up the broken pieces and he wants to put it back together for you. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. I'm, I'm not just preaching to myself. Hallelujah. Yes. I say, well, I wonder who that's for. They're here. Don't worry about it. God wants you to know. God wants you to know that you can talk to him any time of the day or night. And here's what he wants you to do. He wants, to cast, he wants you to talk to him about anything that you're struggling with. But before you do that, how about just spending some time to say, Lord, I just thank you because you're my best friend. Lord, I want, I want to have an encounter with you so that I can love people like you love them, so I can forgive the dream takers and I can love those that despitefully use me. Lord, just give me the ability to rise up with wings as eagles like Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 says. 
I can mount up with wings as eagles. You know how I can do, why I can do that? Because my spirit is intertwined with the Holy Spirit. And he binds up broken pieces. He gathers up the shattered dreams. And now that I've got my introduction for my message, I want to talk to you about the purpose of prayer. My introduction is 15 minutes long. I'll be through within an hour. The purpose of prayer. And I want you to look at this with me this morning. I want you to know that there's a reason why we pray. And there's a way to, right way to pray, and there's a wrong way to pray. How many would just be real honest with me? Don't hold your hand up. I'm going to take the embarrassment for you. How many has ever just provoked you so bad you've said, if I could, I'd kill them? Four people are smiling. Thank you for that four smile. How many, are, how many this morning, you just, you just say, you know, if I could, I'd just, I'd, just, I'd just move out completely so that things could come back together for my life. Or how many are threatened by your circumstances this morning? And you just are not bold enough to say, I've got a problem. And you're trying to handle it in your own way when all the time your problem is bigger than you're able to carry. The, the early church based those same things. Peter and John went to jail because the Sanhedrin courts didn't like it because they were preaching the gospel. There was an earthquake at midnight, and the jails were shaken. Why, what caused an earthquake to shake the jail and the rest of the town stood? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is still available to shake the bands and the handcuffs that are holding you today. And God knows how, when, and where to send the earthquake. No matter, no matter whether it's an addiction of our life that's keeping us from living a life that's the fullest, no matter whether it's a distraction, something we've been involved in that we wish we'd never been involved with, maybe we're in, in debt over our head over heels and we just don't see any way out, the Lord wants you to know that He's the way, the truth, and the life. And He wants you to know that He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. But he wants you to submit the responsibility to him. He said, not only cast it on the Lord, but here's what I want you to do. Since I'm your Savior, since you've recognized me as the Lord of your life, here's what I ask you to do. Submit yourself to me. When I married this lady, I met her when she was 13 and I was 14. And we finished school. But the day we got married, I submitted myself to her. Everything except a 55 Fairlane Victoria Ford. Two-door hardtop, no center post, fender skirts, twin pipes. It was, my, it was my number two angel. And one day, she drove to where I worked, and she had cut the curb too short, and the gravel guard below the door was creased it was about dark 30 but the lights on the front of the store was was on and I thought I looked out when she drove up and I thought surely that's a shadow <laughs> it was a shadow of bad things to come she was watching she parked where I could see if I looked out the store just right and I walked out and I bowed 
and I inspected, and she told me the story. Can I tell you? We're still married. God's grace is always sufficient. It's made perfect in our weakest hour. And when I'm weak, she's strong. And when I'm strong, sometimes I need to help her out. But God is never weak. His grace is sufficient. And he wants me to tell you this morning, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're involved in, if you'll just call on him. Lord, I need help. Lord, I just want to cast every care on you today. And I'm going to continue to remind you, I, want, I, I really mean business, Lord. I need your help. And I'm going to submit everything that I have today that I know about to you and to your keeping. And I'm believing that you're going to cha- help me change things because I know you're a prayer answering God. The early church had gone through the most trialing time of their life. Even though Jesus had gone to heaven, he still has a body on this earth this morning. And his body is a church. And we're his hands, we're his feet, we're his lips. And he wants to deep he wants to expose himself through the body of Christ today because we're living in a world today that's going nowhere in a hurry. I heard of a cathedral in Europe that was bombed during World War II. And that cathedral where there used to stand a magnificent statue of Jesus Christ with his arms outstretched. And the inscription below read these words, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There were some Americans that wanted to rebuild the cathedral and reconstruct the statue. They searched through the rubble day after day until they found the parts to reconstruct the statue. But when it came to the hands, they couldn't find anything intact. The hands had been destroyed. Somebody had the idea and wrote another inscription beneath the statue with those arms or without those hands outstretched and says, He has no hands but our hands. Lord, today, today, We want to speak your word. Lord, may we be found in this world in which we live, stretching out our hands in prayer, lifting up the leadership of America, lifting up the leadership of our churches, lifting up the leadership everywhere we go. Our school systems need prayer. Never before have, as our world stood in such need of prayer. And here's what I want to tell you. When you'll synchronize your prayer with what God's word has to say, you'll see the power of prayer like you've never seen it before Lord and you can find this in the 6th chapter of Matthew when it says our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name at that time I always say there's not another name under heaven given to my men whereby I can be saved that name there's not another name like his name his name is Emmanuel which means he's with us there's not another name like Jesus he says he's the one that's a great I am but we can spend our prayer time synchronizing with the word of God and if you don't know the word of God go to the gospels and begin to find something this is like medicine for our lives every day and you can always go to the medicine cabinet and find something that will that will bring healing to your life it's not a book of rules today friend it's the exact prescription that will cause us to live in victory it's filled with words that will cause you to want to pray It's filled with words that will cause you to want to follow Jesus. And Jesus gives such simple instruction that we can all understand it. And here's the call that he beckons to us. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
I've heard this excuse many times. Pastor, I want to be a Christian. I just can't. I'm not the, I'm not, I can't do it. I just don't, it's just not in me to do it. Neither is it in me to do it. It only became available to me the day I submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It only came to me the day that I took my strength and my courage and I began to develop a relationship with the great I am. And it's all spelled here in black and white. And it's so easy to understand that even our children can understand it today. With these words today, may I ask you, are you talking to Jesus on a daily basis? Do you have a prayer life with the Lord? If not, he wants me to tell you. He's, he's waiting to talk to you. You'll never surprise him with your needs. You'll never confound him because of what you're asking for. And the greatest need that we all have and America needs is the healing that begins inside of us. When healing begins inside the body of Christ, the body begins to be strong. And the Bible says, greater is he that's within me that's he, than he that's within the world because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, that gives us a hope beyond the veil of tears shall we pray father what a joy it is this morning just be in your house what a joy it is to be able to trust in one who never fails what a joy it is to realize that lord we're not religious people we're just turned on to jesus christ because of a relationship that we we are enjoying lord it's the gospel it's the good news it's almost too good to be true and as we stand this morning in the closing moments of this service father we just want to thank you for your goodness and your mercy that it's extended to all mankind and today today if there are those in this building today that are struggling lord i pray let the words that's been spoken today minister to their life and may it be medication for their spirit today as we continue to rise with wings as eagles we can run and not be weary we cannot faint because it's christ in us the hope of glory heads are bowed nobody's looking around i'm not calling you to the front of the building this morning i just want to ask you today as we come to the close of the service how many would say by an uplifted hand, Pastor, I have needs in my life. I have needs in my family that need to be met, and only God can meet them. Would you pray for me that God will give me the grace and the strength to do what I need to do? Could I see your hands while we wait just a moment? Oh, yes, God bless multitudes of hands in this building this morning. As Jared comes to close the service today, he's going to close it with prayer. But I want you in a moment of prayer this morning to realize prayer changes things. And when we pray, God acts. I want you to have the assurance this morning that God is here to answer your prayer. Go ahead and stand your feet with us this morning. As you stand, I, I don't want to leave a, a message like this or a time like this without giving this opportunity. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and bow your head just one more time. Promise it won't take long. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never invited Jesus into your heart. You're here this morning and you, when we talk about prayer, man, the most important prayer is that first prayer. That prayer saying, Lord, I, man, I, I can't do this thing on my own. I don't want to do it on my own anymore. And if you're like me, you tried and it failed. It failed miserably. And so maybe you're here this morning and that needs to be your first prayer this morning. God, I, I need you in my life. 
I don't have a relationship with you. I've never asked you to come into my life and to be the Lord of my life and to be the Savior of my soul. And I want to do that today. So maybe you're here this morning and that's you. Or maybe you once did, maybe at a camp or at a revival or at a previous service. But you know right now we're living for our own self. We're doing our own thing. And right now he's not the Lord of your life. And so maybe this morning you just want to get back on track. You want to rededicate, recommit your life to the ways of Jesus. Well, that's, that's why we gather. That's why we're here. And so if that's you this morning, the count of three, we're not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to say a prayer with you. And if that's you, will you just slip your hand up and right back down on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Is there anybody else? Yes, thank you, sir. Awesome. Awesome. It's an exciting moment right now. An exciting moment right now. Here's what I want to ask. I want to ask this entire body to say this prayer with me. There were three that raised their hand and they said, yeah, that's, Maybe I need to get things right for the very first time or I need to come back. I'm like that prodigal son coming home. But you three that raise your hand, I, I want this to be something that flows from not just your lips but from your heart. Don't this be a lip service today. Let this be a heart check. And so I want you to understand it's not about the prayer that saves you. It's about the God you're praying to that saves you. And this morning we're praying to an almighty awesome God who loves you, who has sent his son Jesus Christ to come and die upon a cross, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and the Bible says one day he's coming back to get us. That's called the great hope. We're waiting for that moment. Can't wait for that moment. But we will together live forever in eternity with him. But until that day, we've got work to do. Just like that statue you saw, the hands are gone. Why? Because we are now the hands of Jesus. So today you're joining a family that's at work. You're not joining the family of Elm Grove. You're joining the family that is joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But we got work to do. And we're honored to have you as a part of this family. So I ask everyone in this place, say this prayer with me. You three that raise your hand, especially you guys. Let this just flow from your heart today. And let's, let's get things right today. Come on, church. Say, Jesus, I come to you today in need of a Savior. I cannot save myself. So today, I turn to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you all my ways. I trust you. I believe you are the Son of God. You died for me. You rose for me. You ascended for me. And you're coming back for me. So today, I join with others in a proclamation that I'm yours and you are mine. Forgive me. I repent, I turn from my ways, and I acknowledge you as Lord of my life. I do this today in the name above all names, in Jesus' name. This I pray, amen.